Hello. I said I was back, didn't I? I'm glad to be back making episodes again. I've been writing a new book since, what was it, probably November, December 2020. Only a very short while after the first one came out. And I'm virtually finished now, so I'll have more time to plan, write, edit and mix episodes very soon. I'll talk more about the book a bit later, but first, well, I've got to talk about Russia, haven't I? You know, I've been on this road for half my life now. And so situations like COVID and Russia stand out a million miles to me. When COVID first was covered in the news, there were discussions on the news about is the World Health Organization going to label COVID a pandemic? And I said at the time, I said it in person, I said on social media, that it was obvious they were going to do so, even if it was not a pandemic, which of course it wasn't. The virus does not exist and has never been proven to exist in a single scientific paper, as I've pointed out many times. But it was obvious they were going to say it was a pandemic because they wanted people to think it was a pandemic to justify everything that's happened since 2020 in the name of COVID. And of course, you know, I didn't know at the time there was no virus, but I knew it was not what they were telling us. And this situation in Russia now is not as simple as they're telling us. The hypocrisy of the West is truly something to behold. I mean, the West talks about defending democracy when Ukraine is banning any opposition and opposition media challenging the official narrative. Democracies don't ban opposition, only dictatorships ban opposition. Ukraine is a West-controlled country. In 2011, the president of Ukraine was Viktor Yanukovych, who was ousted from office for alleged corruption in the George Soros Orange Revolution in 2004, one of several George Soros color revolutions around the world to benefit the the global cult that I talk and have talked about since pay-per-view began. And the people of Ukraine didn't like the new prime minister, so they voted in the only other party they had a choice to vote in, which was led by Viktor Yanukovych. This is how the farce called political elections work. Yanukovych was kicked out of office again in another people's revolution, sponsored by America again in 2014, and George Soros, and was replaced by Poroshenko, a US and West-supported puppet. This is Ukrainian democracy. This is America being concerned about Ukrainian democracy. So 2004, the Orange Revolution, and 2014, the revolution that ended up with Poroshenko being installed. In 2004, George Bush was the president, uh, you know, officially. And then in 2014, it was Obama. So different leaderships, but the agenda remains the same to manipulate Ukrainian politics and Ukrainian democracy. So don't give me any of this nonsense about America caring about democracy and human rights. America doesn't care about anything in terms of other countries except starting wars and conflicts. Another technique the West uses is to, again, use the cover of protecting democracy to justify an invasion after branding a leader a dictator. This, of course, is what they did in Iraq and Libya. They tried to do it in Syria, but Putin supporting Assad made it more challenging for them to remove the leader and install one they liked, so they demonised Putin and Assad. The West wanted Islamic State to advance through Syria and to invade and remove Assad and place a West-controlled puppet into power. But Putin stopped that from happening. I've talked about this before in episode 49, 48, 49. Uh, Putin's position 
on the current situation is that he doesn't want NATO on the border of Russia, which is surrounded by American military bases, as is China. This was revealed in a great documentary by journalist John Pilger called The Coming War with China, which came out a few years ago now, but I recommend watching it. The alternative media on the internet have been talking about a conflict between the West and an alliance of Russia and China in that same conflict being in the planning since the mid-1990s. Since 2020, far more people have become aware of the fact that the world's not like, not like they thought it was and the accuracy and the real journalism as opposed to the corporate-controlled, state-controlled propaganda of the mainstream media. As a result of the COVID hoax, far more people have become aware of that. Far more people are starting to look at the world anew and question what they're told. The accuracy of the alternative media on the internet, which called every stage of this pandemic hoax since March 2020, weeks if not months sometimes before, when the mainstream media presented every stage as random and spontaneous. So a conflict pitching the West against Russia and China and has long been in the planning. So big new Brzezinski, Jimmy Carter's national security advisor and mentor to Obama, wrote in The Grand Chessboard, published in 1998, about the need to control Eurasia. And Eurasia is the an area basically comprising all of Europe and Asia. And when people like Brzezinski are telling you what they think should happen, they're telling you plan to happen under the guise of opinion and suggestion because they know the agenda. It's not the people that come and go, like the political figures that make the decisions. It's the permanent government who matter the most, as they're the ones making the decisions. And during COVID, we saw how technocrats and advisors and alleged experts were running policy, not the political leaders. And that's the agenda, to have, as I've said before, to have technocrats running global policy. The idea is for a world government of unelected technocrats. I did an episode called Technocracy, and that was back, I think, in 2019 I did that episode and talked about this. They want an end to elected governments, and that's one of the benefits for the agenda of the COVID hoax, was people losing faith in elected governments. So the solution of technocrats, technical experts and advisors and such like being offered is the solution. Well, we've seen how rubbish governments can be, haven't we? Let's give the experts a chance. That kind of thing. Brzezinski has been involved in geopolitical affairs for decades and what he wrote over 20 years ago is playing out now because it's a long planned agenda. How many of the I stand with Ukraine people actually know any of this? How many of them know what that support is being encouraged for and to lead to? Yes, of course, we should support people, even if only in gesture or vocal support, if not more than that, who are in a country being bombed and attacked but get informed and be streetwise before you support when the covid hoax first came into public awareness i said at the time in this podcast and i said to people who asked me about it at the time they said what do you think about it and i said well i don't know yet this was this was very early on you know you've got to hold back you know the media is encouraging people to jump to conclusions and to think and feel a certain way. But if you just hold back and let the information be your guide, which is what I did with COVID, and that's what I'm doing now. I mean, I'm, I know I'm recording this now, but I'm still observing the situation rather than jump to a, jump into a definite conclusion, which is what I did with the COVID. Yes, I was recording 
segments about it and had episodes and stuff, but I was holding back from jumping to a conclusion. Like I said, I've been on this path for half my life now, and that's one of the things you learn from experience is not to jump into things, it's just to hold back and observe and let the information and events as they play out be your guide before jumping to a conclusion. So America talks about defending Ukraine's borders when America have opened up the southern border of America to allow migration and immigration from Mexico and other places in Central and South America for years now. Britain has been allowing unfettered migration, as, as has Germany, supported by Merkel, the Chancellor, with all the consequences of migration, including allowing criminals through in terms of America, like MS-13, the South American crime and drug gang, into North America. Look at the consequences of people in Sweden, where there are no-go zones, where even law enforcement won't go because of the criminal migrants operating in that area. And I've talked about migration before in this podcast. So again, don't give me any crap about the West caring about defending borders. Putin doesn't want Ukraine joining NATO. The West are condemning Russia for invading Ukraine when the West, especially Britain and America, but not only have been invading countries and changing regimes for decades, Iraq, Libya, Syria, they invaded, and many more throughout history. They condemn Russia, but they stay silent about the West-supported genocide and ethnic cleansing by Israel, which owns them, in Palestine over decades, and the conflict West-supported again between Saudi Arabia and Yemen. Anyone remember the last time they heard about Yemen on the BBC or Sky News? The hypocrisy is breathtaking. They just say what they need to say, to do what they need, want to do when they want to do it, which is why they contradict themselves over and over and over again, because they just say whatever suits in the moment to get what they want, and that's what they're doing now. That's all they're doing now. Whenever you hear any of this talk about, as you know, whether it's Boris Johnson saying it or whoever, we stand with the people of Ukraine, and I am deeply saddened to hear about destruction in Ukraine. They say what they need to say to do what they want to do to get what they want to get. These leaders don't feel anything. Look at the COVID fascism and the way the West have killed elderly people in Britain, America and other countries. In Britain, they did it with a drug called Midazolam on Matt Hancock's watch, by the way, which I talk about in more detail in my new book, in a comprehensive and very detailed chapter and very substantial chapter on the COVID hoax. Look at the obvious consequences of a lockdown, which Boris Johnson, British Prime Minister, just as an example, knew was not necessary and was not based on protecting health. It was based on following the COVID script to advance an agenda with all the devastation that caused for people personally, psychologically, financially. But he imposed lockdown anyway, because these Western leaders or any leaders are there, are just there to follow a script, whether it's the Russia script or the COVID hope script or climate change hope script whatever it is that's all they are they're script readers that's it so you look at what was done during the covid hoax just as an example so these western leaders they don't even care about the people in their own countries never mind the ukraine the covid hoax has created massive inflation and we're only just seeing the start of the consequences of that now a war would obviously create even more economic consequences and financial consequences and it's all part of creating what I've called the Hunger Games Society in previous podcast episodes. It's not my phrase, but borrow that phrase, but whereby the population are in staggering levels of poverty while the rich get richer, which is exactly what has happened during the COVID hoax and a war would take it on to another level. 
especially as the elite, the cult as I call them, own the armament companies, the weapons companies. And this then plays into the great reset of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, known as you will own nothing and you will be happy. That's the phrase, the catchphrase of that. Because the plan is for people to rent everything, and if they don't keep authority happy by allowing authority and government to dictate the fine detail of their lives, as we've seen during the COVID hoax, their permission to rent is revoked. So not only will they own nothing, they will have nothing, unless they allow authority and government to dictate their life. What does that mean? Total control. And that's the idea. And in my first book, Paper View in Print, available at paperview.uk, I cover examples of how the Hunger Games Society was playing out climate change policy as part of the human-caused climate change hoax is leading to the Great Reset. All roads lead to Rome, as they say. And I talk in my new book, actually, about the history of this cult and the connections between between Rome and Babylon and other areas and the cult and all roads lead to Rome also in the sense of no matter what the crisis the policies and the solutions are the same I've talked before I think certainly I do in my new book about the similarities between COVID and climate change policy in terms of solutions offered and changes in society to deal with COVID and climate change and how they advance the cult's agenda because they were both invented to advance the cult's agenda and by invented I mean made up all roads lead to the agenda yes the climate's changing but it's always changed and the extent of climate change is massively overplayed as i talk about in my new book all roads lead to the agenda advancing that's why my first book is all about this agenda and anyone who reads that book and looks at what has happened in society and the world since 2020 will see why the covid hoax was played in the first place that we're seeing the unfolding of an agenda and the engineering or faking of crises are just a vehicle to advance that agenda. The cult don't care how their agenda is advanced as long as it is advanced, so they'll try anything to achieve that end. So they don't care whether a war or COVID or climate change or something else advances their agenda as long as something does. A big focus of my new book is probably the central theme of it. It's called Reality Check. It's the first time I've announced their name an exclusive <laughs> um it's called reality check and i couldn't have chosen two words that are more perfect to describe a what the book's about and b what we need i say we i mean people who only get their news from the mainstream media and people who don't question or people who do question but not enough is a reality check that's what that's what this world needs now more than ever in human history certainly known human history and I think there's going to be information in there that is even going to challenge the perceptions of people who are into alternative information. They're going to find things in there that even they would... Because, you know, there's a spectrum of people who are into alternative information, as I've seen over the last 15 years now that I've been on this path. Um, I mean, I've been doing this podcast for about three, four years now, um, but been on this path for the last 15. Our podcast is just... And the books are just... A, the latest you know examples of my efforts to try to get information out to people but been on this path for half my life and i've seen the spectrum of people who are into alternative information there's people that are into it as like a pastime and a hobby that's one end of the spectrum and then the other end of the spectrum is who understand how important addressing the information is because everything in people's lives that people value comes out of addressing it in the sense that 
the agenda, the global agenda by this global cult threatens those things. Everything in people's lives, employment, financial security, their children's future, and even, I mean, if you go deep enough into this agenda, and I do in the new book, even the end of family, this cult want an end to the family unit, which is why one of the goals of Black Lives Matter is the end of what they call the nuclear family. What we, what that's got to do with racial justice, I don't know, but that's one of the goals of Black Lives Matter, as I've talked about before in this podcast, and I say in the new book, is a cult creation. It's funded and connected to cult and corporations, and it's a cult and cult agenda supporting, advancing organization. So everything that people value in their lives is targeted by this agenda. And that's why it's so important to be aware of it and address it. And that's why I've spent half my life trying to get people to do that by putting information in front of people. They make of it what they will, you know, it's their own choice what they make of it, but put the information in front of them. They're not getting it through the mainstream media to allow them to see how important it is to address this. And we are in a time now where one of the reasons people are awakening to the fact that the world is not like they thought it was, as many people have since 2020 as a result of the COVID hosts, because they've had their own reality check. And, you know, the book is about questioning our perceptions and questioning everything. And I mean everything, as people who read the book will see, right down to the nature of reality itself and what this reality is, as well as current events. And I've got a chapter in the book called Everybody Thinks That, obviously, you know, named after the common phrase, everybody knows that, in which I take gimmies, things that people don't question and take for granted, and things that people think don't need to be questioned and show that you absolutely should question them and I do it with nothing more than facts and evidence and information and I just basically turn them on their head and that chapter in many ways is like a mini version of the book itself and uh, (laughs) it's extraordinarily controversial and explosive the book and um, quite possibly one of the most controversial books ever written demolishes the covid hoax I mean, anybody who bought the first, because I know there are some listeners to this podcast who, who did buy the first book. The demolition job I did on human caused climate change in that book, I basically do that same thing, but for COVID in this new book. Got a separate chapter. Well, I guess it's connected because it's about COVID, but it is a separate chapter about the COVID vaccine. Because there's that much information and more to show that this vaccine is at best, if you get a, a vial, if you get a, you know, a vial from one of the batches that are, contain the bad stuff. At best, it can leave you with life-changing adverse effects and at worst can kill you. So, I mean, you know, the, the amount of evidence and information to show that is extraordinary. I cover a lot of that in the new book. But the central theme in the new book is reality check. And, you know, on that point of reality check, because, you know, we need to question what we're told now more than ever. And uh, on that point, I came across this... This was on Twitter the other day. This, I mean, this sums up exactly what I'm saying. Footage of an alleged Ukrainian fighter jet named the Ghost of Kiev is from a, is from a simulation game, Fact Checkers Report. A clip from Digital Combat Simulator, a flight simulation game, has been miscaptioned on social media, Fact Checkers say. Now, you know, the evidence shows again and again that Fact Checkers, what they say, is not the truth, usually is the truth, and vice versa. But I just thought I'd point that out, because how many people, if it is from this game, I don't know, I've never played this game, I don't know anything about the game, but if the footage is from a video game, 
then how many people, if they were told on the news that it was real footage, would believe it? That's the point. Questioning everything. News item on Twitter says, The clip does not show a Ukrainian fighter jet shooting down Russian planes. Reuters reports social media users have been claiming the simulation combat plane is a fighter known as the ghost of Kiev, according to multiple reports. The Ukrainian military said on February 24th that five Russian planes and a Russian helicopter were shot down in the Luhansk region. It has not been confirmed that a single Ukrainian pilot shot down the aircraft, however, Reuters reports. Now, I don't know what the details of that. This is why questioning is so important, because the footage looks real. Maybe it is, I don't know. But how easy it is to manipulate people who don't question anything, when we need to question everything. Now, you know, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about events in Russia, because it's an ongoing story, and by the time you... If I did that, by the time you heard this, then the situation would have moved on anyway. But what I am going to cover is another element of this Russian situation, which I've talked about before in a segment in this podcast called Cyber Hacking, about a cyber attack. And Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum had talked about this and simulated it. And when something is simulated, it means it's planned. Uh, there were simulations on the morning of 9-11. There was a simulation about a coronavirus pandemic, uh, you know, a matter of weeks, if not months, shortly before the, you know, quote, real thing kicked off. So if something is simulated, there were simulations uh, on 7-7, uh, the same day. So always question. So uh, I've mentioned this cyber attack theme before, but it's worth mentioning it again in the light of this Russian situation. So this is the article. So this is in the Daily Mail. How Russian hackers could aim to cripple Britain. Cyber attack from Moscow in retaliation for Ukraine sanctions would target UK government and banking websites. Millions of companies across Britain were today warned to prepare for a Russian cyber attack as the UK placed sanctions on three wealthy allies of Vladimir Putin and five banks in response to the renewed invasion of Ukraine. GCHQ's National Cyber Security Centre urged UK organisations to bolster their online defences and warned that there has been a historical pattern of cyber attacks on Ukraine with international consequences. Ukrainian banking and government websites were last week briefly knocked offline by a spate of distributed denial-of-service attacks, which the US and Britain said were carried out by Russian military hackers, something the Russians denied. This will prompt concerns that the same sort of attack could now be attempted in the UK. DDoS attacks tried to crash a website by bombarding it with superfluous requests at the same time, and this surge of simple requests overloads the servers, causing them to shut down. In order to leverage the number of requests necessary, hackers will often resort to botnets, networks of computers brought under their control with malware. Defence Secretary Ben Wallace also said the UK will launch retaliatory cyber attacks on Russia if it targets Britain's computer networks, and that offensive cyber capability was being developed from a base in northwest England. It comes after Home Secretary Priti Patel warned over the weekend that the UK government expects to see cyber attacks aimed at the West, while NCSC Chief Executive Lindy Cameron told of a heightened cyber threat. And in recent weeks, the Financial Conduct Authority watchdog has written to the chief executives of UK banks, warning them to brace for Russian-sponsored cyber attacks and to ensure their security systems are updated. But former NCSC Chief Executive Kieran Martin has also urged calm saying that there is no reason for people in Britain to be cowering in bunkers over fear of cyber attacks and planes would not start to fall from the sky. 
Meanwhile, six European Union countries were today sending a team of cybersecurity experts to Ukraine to help deal with cyber threats after Russia formally recognised two breakaway regions in eastern Ukraine. An NCFC spokesman said following Russia's further violation of Ukraine's territorial integrity, the National Cyber Security Centre has called on organisations in the UK to bolster their online defences. The NCSC, which is a part of GCHQ, has urged organisations to follow its guidance on steps to take when the cyber threat is heightened. While the NCSC is not aware of any current specific threats to UK organisations in retaliation, or in, in, in relation even, to events in and around Ukraine, there has been a historical pattern of cyber attacks on Ukraine with international consequences. The guidance encourages organisations to follow actionable steps that reduce the risk of falling victims when attacked. Lithuania, Netherlands, Poland, Estonia, Romania and Croatia are sending a team of experts set up to help others other EU countries, institutions and partners to cope with cyber threats in response to a, a request from Ukraine. Lithuania's Deputy Defence Minister Margaris Abukavisia said, Ukraine might need help to deal with particular incidents or support to test their infrastructure looking for security weakness. Yesterday, Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba said that Russia had been using hybrid tactics to escalate the situation. We see disinformation campaigns, we see cyber attacks, we see open fakes distributed about Ukraine, and we see increased military activity, Mr. Kaleba told reporters in Brussels. Ukrainian cybersecurity bodies have warned of impending attacks, with a couple of major attacks on government websites recently observed. Mr. Kaleba called on the EU to take decisions that would send clear messages to Russia that its escalation will not be tolerated and Ukraine will not be left on its own. This includes not only political messaging, political signals, but also some very specific apps like supporting the development of our defence sector, supporting Ukraine's cyber security, imposing some of the sanctions, he added. Russian military hackers are behind the spate of distributed denial-of-service attacks that briefly knocked Ukrainian banking and government websites offline, the US and UK both said. But Russia has denied any role in the DDoS, which inflicted relatively limited distribution. A foreign Commonwealth and Development Office spokesman, said the UK government judges that the Russian main intelligence directorate, the GRU, were involved in this week's distributed denial-of-service attacks against the financial sector in Ukraine. The attack showed a continued disregard for Ukrainian sovereignty. This activity is yet another example of Russia's aggressive acts against Ukraine. This disruptive behaviour is unacceptable. Russia must stop this activity and respect Ukrainian sovereignty. We are steadfast in our support for Ukraine in the face of Russian aggression. Mr Wallace said this week, UK cyber experts are working with Ukraine to help to protect it from Russian activity. And Labour's Hillary Benn, MP for Leave Central today, asked Mr Wallace in the comments about sanctions in relation to cyber attacks. He said, can he tell the House what the government's response will be if the action taken by Russia, say, took the form of a no-fly zone over Ukraine? or blockading of its ports, or repeated and significant cyber attacks on Ukrainian institutions and governments. In those circumstances, would the government respond with the full sanctions it's obviously been discussing? Mr Wallace replied, I think he is absolutely right. Many of these aggressive moves, like a no-fly zone, in other words, the threatening of the integrity of that sovereign state, a blockade to free trade would absolutely warrant a response ranging from sanctions and others. I think we would look at it at the time, but absolutely I agree with him. Russia should be under no illusion that threatening the integrity of a sovereign nation, whether that's in the air or on the sea, is exactly the same as threatening on the land. Also in the Commons, the Labour MP for Nosley, or Nosley even, Sir George Howarth said, For over a decade, Russia has been mounting cyber attacks on our critical national infrastructure and the commercial infrastructure for over a decade, and there were no consequences. For over a decade, Russia has been swirling dirty money around the city of, city of London with no consequences. In order for Vladimir Putin to understand that he has now gone too far, he needs to be certain that if sanctions and diplomatic means don't succeed, then there will be consequences. Can the Prime Minister agree with me that the 
those consequences need to be still on the table and Vladimir Putin needs to understand that they will be used. Prime Minister Boris Johnson replied, we need to make it absolutely clear to Russia that as a result of this venture, they still conceived a disastrous venture in Ukraine, this country, his country even, Russia will end up, as I have said, pouring more encircled by NATO and engaged in a disastrous conflict with fellow Slavs in a prior state. That is what President Putin is willing on his people a prior state. And Liberal Democrat MP Jamie Stone told the Commons, we should be clear, if Russia invades Ukraine, massive sanctions will rightly be placed on Russia, and if that happens, we can expect a salvo of cyber attacks on the United Kingdom. Urgent calm over cyber attacks, Mr Martin told the I, a newspaper. People are worried that the cyber attack could cause planes to fall from the sky but gain a covert presence and control of an air traffic control system without anybody noticing through all its safety overrides and bring a plane crashing down would be incredibly hard and would take ages. I'll come back to that point in a minute. Any air traffic control system worthy of the name would have a plan to deal with the total collapse of the system countries model this sort of thing all the time. He continued, no one should be cowering in a bunker over fear of a cyber attack, but the, ch the chances of accidental contamination or an even more permissive attitude to some pretty damaged Russian-based cybercrime are things we have to be aware of. Authorities in Vienna are also stepping up surveillance of potential cyber threats to Austrian government institutions. The country's foreign ministry was targeted in a cyber attack two years ago that was traced to Russia. Today, Mr Johnson said Britain is sanctioning three wealthy allies of Mr Putin and five Russian banks as he announced the first barrage of punitive measures in response to the renewed invasion of Ukraine. Prime Minister warned that Moscow sending troops into the Donbass region under the guise of being peacekeepers appears to be the Kremlin establishing the pretext for a full-scale offensive when nearly 200,000 troops amassed on Ukraine's border. Mr Johnson told the Commons that immediate sanctions are being deployed against three very high net worth individuals, Gennady Timchenko, Boris Rottenberg and Igor Rottenberg, whom he described as cronies of the Russian president. The sanctions, which include UK asset freezes, a travel ban and prohibition on British individuals and businesses dealing with them, were also tabled against Russian banks, Russia, IS Bank, General Bank, Proms Thias Bank and the Black Sea Bank. This is the first tranche, the first barrage of what we are prepared to do, and we hold further sessions of readiness to be deployed, Mr. Johnson told MPs before warning it is inevitable he will return with a much bigger package. The Prime Minister also applied pressure on European football governing body UEFA not to hold its Champions League final in St. Petersburg in June, saying there. Mr. Johnson added, the House should be in no doubt that the deployment of these forces in sovereign Ukrainian territory amounts to a renewed invasion of that country. And by denying Ukraine's legitimacy as a state and presenting its very existence as a mortal threat to Russia, Putin is establishing the pretext for full-scale offensive. But he faced calls to go further on sanctions now from Secure Starmer as well as some Tory MPs. The Labour leader said he understands the tactic of holding back sanctions to deter an invasion past the Donetsk and Luhansk regions in the east of Ukraine, but said a threshold has already been breached. He said a sovereign nation has been invaded in war of aggression, and if we do not respond with the full set of sanctions now, Putin will once again take away the message that the benefits of aggression outweigh the costs. Former Tory leader Sir Ian Duncan Smith suggested Russia should be hit hard and hit them now to increase the pain of the current incursion. Commons Defence Committee Chairman Tobias Elwood says sanctions alone will not be enough and warned that untargeted sanctions may play into Putin's plans to pivot Russia ever closer to China. Now in my new book, I talk about how Israel is rivaling Silicon Valley as the global tech hub of the world, how Israel has a backdoor into virtually every computer system in the world, including aircraft and military intelligence networks computers, government computers, as well as a history of cyber attacks. It would be very easy for Israel to launch a cyber attack against Western targets and blame Russia. The cyber attacks have the potential to affect the electricity grid or to cause financial chaos or both. 
and they can be very targeted and very coordinated and people need to keep this in mind when events happen that are blamed on Russia that are traced back to a cyber attack. Whatever happens, we need to stay calm because the media, on behalf of the cult, want to keep people in fear because when you're in fear, you're far more suggestible and likely to do what you're told you should do to protect you from what you have been manipulated to fear by the very same people who are behind what's happening which should be manipulated to fear in the first place. If we stay calm, we can think clearly and keep a rational mind. We also need to avoid taking sides. The media is manipulating people to take the side of Ukraine because that, by implication, creates an opposition with Russia because Russia are the other side. It's not about sides, it's about staying calm, detached and looking at the situation dispassionately to allow you to see it clearly.